You're listening to the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network. This is Drive Time with Travis Wingfield. Back to throw Tua, looking. Flips it down the wide open! <laughs> Touchdown, Tyreek Hill! Unbelievable! Just flew by him for a second time. Tua knew where he was going right away. How the hit is that, little man? I really hope you soon jump on his bandwagon. Waddle, waddle. To a shotgun, back to throw, looking, steps up, fires, touchdown. Okay. It's Waddle. His sixth touchdown Six pass touchdown of the game. day. Drive time with Travis Wingfield begins now. Let me check your pulse if you're not fired up. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How's it going, everybody? It is late on a Tuesday. We are not in the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex. We are in Indianapolis at the Indiana Convention Center for the 2023 NFL Scouting Combine. We have three interviews to bring you today. We're going to hear from NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah. We're going to hear from the Eagles' Fran Duffy. We're also going to talk to the Miami Herald's Daniel Oyafusi, and we'll finish it up with takeaways and sound bites from head coach Mike McDaniel's Tuesday Scouting Combine press availability. He went about 30 minutes. We'll play the highlights for you guys here on the Drive Time Podcast. Coming your way next here from Indianapolis. Let's go ahead and jump right in. That's another Miami Dolphins. Up first here on the podcast, NFL Network's Daniel Jeremiah. What's up, Dolphins? Travis Wingfield here at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis 2023, and I'm joined today by the NFL Network's lead draft analyst and host of the Move the Six podcast, Daniel Jeremiah. Daniel, thanks for joining us today. Great to see you. We're very happy to have you in. And, you know, the Move the Six podcast talking about team building. I just kind of wanted to get your bird's-eye view perspective of the Dolphins. You know, a few years ago, lots of draft capital, lots of cap space. They kind of are three years beyond that now. What's the next move for the Dolphins after all those draft picks, the trades, all the veteran acquisitions? What's next? Well, they've got the big building blocks in place, so so that's a good place to start, and they're in great shape there. I think now they just continue to fortify the trenches. I think continue to add more up front on the offensive side of the ball, and I think on the defensive side, you can never have enough defense. Made a big move in the coaching staff last year. Mike McDaniel, first year in the, yeah. with Miami Dolphins, number six in the NFL in offense. was a big jump for us. What can you expect from year two in this offense and the growth we can see this season? Well, I think you're going to see the run game hopefully you know, catch up to where the pass game is. And it's a, it's a dynamic group. Obviously, there's so much speed on the perimeter. And I think you get hopefully you know, Tua comes back and Tua's you know, what we saw from him when he was healthy and on the field. And you see him just being more comfortable in this offense and then take it to a whole nother level. So I think, I think really the run game complement is going to help this whole thing go. You mentioned Tua Tungavailoa. Great segue into my next question here for you. Year three, you were big on him coming out yeah. of the draft. It's, it took a while for him to really have that breakout season last year, but he did enjoy a breakout season. What's next for him in his development? I mean, staying healthy. Yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, he showed last year the, the stuff that we loved about him coming into the draft with the accuracy, the poise, the decision-making, timing, you know, anticipation, all that stuff that you got fired up about him in Alabama. Like, ah, oh, it's here. It finally showed up. This is the guy. And then you have the injuries, so it's just a matter of staying healthy. Yeah, hopefully some better luck for our quarterback next season. But also coming into this year, it's going to be the first year since high school that he has the same play caller in back-to-back seasons. What kind? Of, what can that kind of continuity do for a quarterback? Well, yeah, you get to get to more of the playbook. You know, like every year, it's not like I think some people think it's you know like a high school situation where you have your playbook every year and every year you get the same playbook. No, in the NFL, that that volume just gets bigger and bigger. That's why inside that division, you know, the Patriots ran that division for so long because the sheer volume. 
Tom Brady had the same offensive system for 20 years. So think about the, the, the number of plays you have to pull from on a weekly basis, depending on what type of defense you see, what type of looks you get, an adjustment in-game. It's just a catalog of plays you can get. Yeah, we're very fired up. We had Alec Ingold on the podcast earlier this week, and he was talking about some of the stuff the fullback can do in that offense. So oh, yeah. big expansion there with him. But let's go over the defensive side of the football now and talk about that 2021 draft class. Uh, 18th pick in that year's draft, and Javon Holland, I believe, was 35th. Yeah. Two really big stalwarts on our defense. What do you think they can they can take from Vic Fangio's defense and take their game to the next level? Yeah, Vic's going to put them in a situation to really make plays. Uh, it's an aggressive front that he plays, and it's a, it's going to allow for the ball to come out even quicker. And I think you're going to see Holland to me is already one of the best safeties in the league. And now you, I think with Vic, you'll see him really go to the next level. You just look at Denver and the defenses he had there and the safety play that he had. Um, if, if I was Javon Holland specifically, this would have been the 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 guy you wanted to see show up. <laughs> it was Vic Fangio. The safety production he's had has been crazy over the years. Unbelievable. Uh, let's, let's go ahead and finish on the offense side of the yeah. ball that same draft class. Jalen Waddle. I know you were a huge fan. Freaky fast. I actually quoted you in a couple of articles <laughs> talking about that. And we, we love watching him do his thing. But it's more than the speed for Waddle. Yeah. What do you think is about his game besides the speed that makes him a 1,400 receiver well he can gear down you know a lot of times you get straight line fast guys and then they're sticky they can't get in and out of breaks he has that rare ability to be at a high rate of speed and to be able to gear down get in and out efficiently so that's what makes him such a nightmare to deal with and then you know what he does after the catch you know there's some guys that are they're speed guys over the top guys but they don't give you much after the catch he he's special with the ball in his hand so he's a complete receiver he's not six four um, but he is a complete receiver. Led the NFL in yards per catch this year. A couple more here for you, Daniel. I wanted to ask you, this is a non-Dolphins question, but yeah. something that was big that year's draft class was the GPS and scouting yeah. uh, because no combine that year. How has that kind of taken off here in 2023, just the juice of GPS? Yeah, scouting? it's huge. It's everywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, you're talking to teams around the league, they have all that information. I wish we had access to all of it on our yeah. side, but uh, uh, no, it's huge. It's, it's very valuable to have that. And then they, you start to get years, you know, one of the, one of the hangups has been, well, what do we compare this to? There's no reference point. Now that we have started to stack some years of this data, you can go back and look at it and see uh, you know, what the relevant numbers really are. Um, I think it's a huge evaluation tool. I love that the piece of content you guys do where you take the top five rushers, top five receivers, and do their average combine splits and workouts. That's yeah. really helpful. That's what we do. Yeah, we'll do it again this year. Yeah. Every position that we get up there, and it just kind of gives you those baseline. And I actually you know, had some people at training facilities reach out to me this year because they want to share those with their guys. And just kind of, it's a good benchmark. This is the numbers that you're wanting to hit. I've used it in my podcast a lot, so I appreciate that. Cool. Uh, let's get some draft for the 2023 NFL draft. Yeah, let's, let's talk go. about that. So Dolphins don't have a pick in the first round this year. Number 52 is their first pick, two day three picks. What do you think they should be targeting on those three day two picks? Well, it's a good spot to be in in this draft. I mean, I think there's interior offensive linemen you can find at that point in time. Um, I think the corner position is a place you can continue to go. Um, you can find good depth here with that group as well. Um, you know, we'll see with, with Kosicki and what happens there, but the tight end group is stacked. So that could be a place you can find one of those as well. Which tight end do you like the most in terms of dual purpose for blocking and catching? Well, I think the overall dual purpose, I would say Mayer's probably the most complete, you know, doing that. Musgrave does a lot of it um, in terms of the blocking, the, the, the what he does from an athletic standpoint is off the charts. Um, but he would be up there. And then, you know, there's... You know, Washington's a little better blocker than he is a receiver at this point in time, but I think he has upside on that side of things. So, yeah, you can find, you can find if you want to get a more of a blocking tight end, which seems to be what they're looking for, Musgrave would be the one maybe potential hope that he'd be there in the second round. I don't know if he'll make it. What do you think those guys are going to run this week? Fast. Musgrave's going to run in the, uh, I would say he's going to run low four fives. 
Washington's going to run in the mid four sixes at 270 yeah. pounds. <laughs> stupid. They just don't make them the yeah, way they stupid. used to today. Let's go ahead and finish up here. So the Dolphins competing with the Buffalo Bills late last season for the division championship. Didn't work out that way. But what do you think the Dolphins have to do this year to overtake the Bills in the AFC East? Well, I think you start, obviously, you know, with Buffalo. And when you're playing against Josh Allen, you can't have enough rushers on the field. And I love the, the two they have on the outside. I love Wilkins. They've got good pieces in place. I think when you look at some of these teams now that take it to the next level, it's waves. It's just more and more waves of guys. Keep them fresh. you got to roll them through uh, because it's a lot to chase that big dude down time and time again. Yeah, he's a lot to take on. Three games last year against him, too. Did pretty good, but yeah. uh, one and two in those games. Dale and Jeremiah, NFL Network. Appreciate your time today, sir. No problem. And away he goes. That was something of a white whale interview for your boy. I've been a big fan of Daniel Jeremiah's for a long, long time, so getting a chance to talk to him. Really, really cool experience there, and I hope you guys learned something there about the Miami Dolphins and this year's draft. Let's go ahead and keep it on the draft here and get to my next guest. Fran Duffy is the host of the Journey to the Draft podcast. He does a lot of work for the Philadelphia Eagles in their in-house media department. We talked to him about this year's draft, past Dolphins classes, to how to build a championship roster, plenty of stuff here. Let's go ahead and welcome in Fran Duffy. What's up, Dolphins? Travis Wingfield here back at the Scouting Combine, Indianapolis 2023. I'm joined today by the host of the Journey to the Draft podcast, member of the Philadelphia Eagles media team, Fran Duffy. Fran, how you doing, man? Travis, I'm doing great, man. I appreciate you having me on. We've been having a, a DM conversation for years now. We finally <laughs> had a chance to do this in person. It's nice to finally meet you here at the Scouting Combine, a who's who of, of, of really important people around the NFL here today. But I want to ask you here first about your year one takeaways from head coach Mike McDaniel. We just saw the Philadelphia Eagles have a, a new head coach come in, have a lot of success. McDaniel playoffs his first year. What was your takeaway from McDaniel's first season with Miami? Well, it was fun because obviously I got a good chance to see them up close in person for one day for the joint practices back in the summer. And so getting a chance to see that speed up close, both on offense and on defense, just a lot of energy uh, to the practice. And overall, you saw that carried through over the course of this season. Just so much speed. I think they know how to leverage that speed. So excited to see what year two brings for that team. Was there quite a bit of buzz and hype after that day of practice? Because remember, there was some, some heated back and forth. We only got the one day of practice, couldn't do that second day of practice. Was there kind of some buzz after that day of competition? I will say I was a little upset by that because I watched on, on day one, I watched our offense, the Eagles offense, going up against the Dolphins defense. So I was really excited. Oh, you know, tomorrow I'm going to watch this Dolphins <laughs> offense and not getting a chance to see them up close uh, was a little upsetting. But uh, yeah, there was it was definitely heated. It was a really spirited day of practice uh, and that carried through to the preseason game as well. Yeah, we saw some of the, I think it was Brandon Graham talking after the fact that he thought the Dolphins were going to be a real contender after that and the way yeah. they played that season. So hopefully that can be the case next year heading into that season. And, uh, you know, we do have a new coach on the defensive side of the ball next season. What do you think the impact of Vic Fangio will be next year on the Dolphins' defense? Yeah, certainly one of the, the premier coaches in on the defensive side of the football in the NFL and in, in all of football with what he's done uh, at the college level and at the pro level, um, you know, with what he brings from a multiplicity standpoint up front, uh, just so sound in everything they do on the back end in coverage. He's, he's a really technically sound coach, but then also schematically, he's going to bring a, a really well-designed game plan every single week to try and take away what the opposing offense does so well. Do you think there's any one player that maybe stands the chance to make the biggest jump because of Fangio's defense, whether it's a young player like Jalen Phillips or Javon Holland? I mean, there's there's all kinds of young guys in that defense. Christian Wilkins had a big year this year. Is there one guy that maybe you point to and say he could really take a big jump because of Fangio's hire? You know, I always think of the guys up the spine of the defense when it comes to those big Fangio defenses. You go back to even like San Francisco and you had, you know, Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman and you had the, the great safety play. So right off the bat, my mind actually goes to the safety spot in Javon Holland you know, with what he can do in the middle of that defense. I think that you could think back to what Eddie Jackson was in Chicago for Vic Fangio, was an all-pro uh, under Fangio, Fangio's 
tutelage. I think that Javon Holland could be poised for another big step up. We've seen him obviously have a great start to his career. Yeah, a lot of ball production for that player. Yes. He's a lot of fun to watch. And his running mate over there, Brandon Jones on the other side, part of a, a really deep and good 2020 draft class for the Miami Dolphins that brought in Tua Tungavailoa, uh, Robert Hunt, Brandon Jones, Ray Juan Davis. I know you talk about the draft a lot on your podcast. Just kind of take me back in time to 2020 about those players uh, for the Dolphins draft class that year. Yeah, and obviously, look, you go into a draft and you have a, a high volume amount of picks. You're not going to hit on every single one. But I think when you look at the ability to find some really solid contributors throughout the course of the draft, that's really important when you're trying to build a team. And you often try and reflect back to three years. So that's why I love that you ask about 2020, because now sitting here in 2023, you really get a sense of how much of an impact that group could make. And when you talk about starters on both sides of the football, down in the trenches, second level, third level, a lot of guys that can come in and make an impact. We see what, what Robert Hunt has been, Brandon Jones, a really solid, solid contributor, and then uh, the potential franchise quarterback there in Tonga Vailoa. That's a really good draft haul, you know, coming out of 2020. Yeah, we feel pretty good about it ourselves, and it's it's funny because now three years later you talk about second contracts and what's next for yeah. these players. It just it goes by so fast it feels like. Let's go ahead and turn our attention to this year's draft class, yep. and we're going to get the guys at the media podiums here shortly, on-field workouts to follow that. Who do you think is going to blow us away in the on-field workouts this year and the way guys do every single year? Who's the one or two guys you're looking forward to watch work out this weekend? So I would say, you know, for me, I always like watching the edge rushers go and watching the defensive linemen work. And that's going to be the first group we get the chance to see on Thursday is those defensive linemen. And so I'm really excited to see that group. And there, there are a couple of guys when, you know, whether it's the, the blue chippers like Will Anderson, we'll see how much exactly he does from a workout standpoint on Thursday. But, you know, one guy that's a little bit under the radar, Nick Hampton from Appalachian State. This guy is a freak athlete, super explosive, 6'3", 235 pounds, so a little bit undersized but kind of reminds me of Hassan Reddick, who had 19 and a half sacks in 20 games uh, for the Eagles this year, including the postseason. So this is a guy that can be extremely productive. He was productive at the group of five level uh, for App State. So Nick Hampton on defense. And then offensively, how about Devin A. Change, uh, the running back from Texas A&M? Uh, the guy that has, I think has been connected to the Dolphins in a lot of mock drafts as a day two potential running back. Brings a ton of speed and electricity to the table. I think he's going to knock the door, knock the lights out of this workout. Speed catches on the ball a lot too, right? Yes. He's a big time receiver out of the backfield. Some people view him as a potential slot receiver. Oh, there like there, there's yeah. that that flexibility will be a, a huge strength for his game. We know what McDaniel can do that flexibility. It's funny you mentioned an App State player. We just had Daniel Jeremiah on the podcast, <laughs> and he's a big big App State yes. guy. So maybe some some crossover there. Uh, so as far as the media scrums over there, we're going to get to that on tomorrow, I believe Wednesday. We kick it off. What do teams look for in that? Or is that not even something teams look at? Is it just the meetings behind closed doors? I think that comes down to like an individual basis. You know, the individual scouts might go back and look, hey, what did this one guy, you know, say to this one? Did that match up with some of the things we sure. asked him? Um, you know, because some players, they might let their guard down a little bit when they're speaking with media as opposed to when they're being trying, trying to be really buttoned up when they go into those formal interviews uh, over at Lucas Oil Stadium. So I think when you look at it, you know, individual scouts, individual general managers, individual coaches might go back and watch some of those media interviews, but I don't think as a team, like, you know, the Miami Dolphins or the Philadelphia Eagles aren't going back and saying, all right, it's Tuesday, let's watch all the press conferences from last week. I don't think that's necessarily happening, but I think that each, you know, so the individual cases that will come up. That is an interesting uh, dynamic between, like, how you act in that meeting compared to with the personal teams. It's just a different perspective, different yep. part of the whole week, right? You're going through all these different things. You're testing and teams trying to figure out what makes you tick. Now let's go as far as the Dolphins this year. Uh, three day two picks. That's hard for me to say. Three yeah. picks on day two. What are some good values you like, whether it's a position group that could fall and be available with top line talent or just a deep group that could have plenty of players left over. Who do you feel really good about on day two in this year's crop? Yeah, I think it's just that when you get to day two, you start talking about what are the positions that have the most depth up mm -hmm. top. And so uh, my mind immediately goes to corner, 
defensive line, running back, uh, and those three right off the dot. And I would say tight end in there as well. And so uh, if you're a team looking for those positions, I think when you get to round two, round three in this draft, there are going to be a lot of opportunities to be able to supplement what you have on your roster. You get to tight end, and you know there, I know there's been talk about two or three of those guys potentially going in round one. My guess is we probably won't see that many going round one, which means you're going to see those guys fall into the second round. Um, you know, same thing with running back. We talk about B. John Robinson and Jameer Gibbs potentially in round one. Well, that means that you're going to get a number of these guys go in the second round third round of this draft, A-Chain being one of them. So I think when you look at those positions, uh, that's where, to me, that's where you're going to get the, the meat of this draft uh, at those spots. So you kind of covered tight end and running back there a little bit. I'm curious about the cornerback position because for a long time, we, you know, we knew the style of cornerback the Miami Dolphins typically prefer. You know, Byron Jones is a big press man corner. Xavier Howard playing that press man coverage. And now a new defense, Nick Fangio. What are some cornerback traits you think they might look for and who in this year's draft might maybe kind of check those boxes? Yeah, I think you're looking for a guy that can certainly play a lot of zone coverage and so uh, really good zone eyes, understanding of the their responsibilities in zone um, and good tacklers. You, you've got to be a good tackler uh, in that defense. And so that would be something. And re regardless of size, you might be six foot two, 210 pounds, or you might be 5'10", 195, but you have to be able to you know get your, get your face dirty and come down uh, and make plays in the run game. And so I think when you look at corners that – from a body type standpoint, I don't know if there's a specific template you're looking at, but I do think skill set wise, you want guys that are really good in zone and that can come up and make a tackle one on one. I think that's honestly what the entire league is looking for yeah. right now. Um, you know, people say like, oh, it's corner, you don't need a, a guy that can tackle, but with RPOs and jet sweeps and the screen game and everything being underneath, you need your corners to come up and be able to make stops one on one. I think that's a really important trade at that position. That's really good news for Cater Coe, who Dolphins rookie cornerback last year made a bunch of tackles around the line of scrimmage. He stuffed out the screen game like nobody's business. So you talk about team building. Philadelphia Eagles on the doorstep of a championship again this year would have been their second in five years. Come up just a little bit short, but I'm curious, what can the rest of the league take away from how the Eagles built? in my opinion, far and away the best roster in the NFL. Yeah, I think the big part of it is that, you know, this is something that general manager Howie Roseman talks about often is that, you know, people say like, uh, you know, free agency. Oh, like that's all you did in free agency? Or <laughs> you, know, you get to the, the, fi the final 53-man roster uh, on August 31st. And it's like, the roster building is not done. This is uh, this is something that goes throughout the course of the year. And so whether it's, oh, free agency is over, well, the Eagles went and acquired James Bradbury right. in the summer. Oh, well, you know, training camp, what, what's going to happen now? Thousand fifty three. they trade for C.J. Gardner-Johnson. And then midseason, you get Indominus Musu and Linval Joseph. You're constantly trying to churn the roster over all three, 365 days a year, trying to find ways to make both sides of the ball better. And I think a big thing, and this is something the Dolphins did last year as well, you have that young quarterback, mm -hmm. try and put him in as best a position to succeed as possible. And uh, you know, the, the Dolphins did it in year one with that coaching staff, with Tua going out and trading for Tyree Kill. The Eagles did it last year with getting A.J. Brown. You trade up into the top ten, you take uh, Devontae Smith, you already have Dallas Goddard, you have that run game, you have that offensive line. So continue to build up around that young quarterback is so, so important. Really good stuff. Well, we're looking forward to it. Anything else you want to promote for the Journey to the Draft podcast or anything you guys are doing over there? Yeah, we're going to be doing daily podcasts from here in Indianapolis, and uh, we're, we're going twice a week uh, from now up until the draft. So uh, Journey to the Draft podcast, wherever podcasts can be found. Big time guests. They get them all the time. Good stuff on the Philadelphia Eagles podcast network there. Fran Duffy, thanks a lot, man. I appreciate your time. Appreciate it, Travis. Thanks, man. So there you go. Two guests down. Let's go ahead and take our first break right here. We'll come back on the other side and hear from Daniel Oyafusi of the Miami Herald. We'll also get to head coach Mike McDaniel's press conference. That's next. Drive Time Podcast. Your host, Travis Wingfield, brought to you by AutoNation. Back in here, segment number two from day one at the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. Let's go ahead and welcome in my next guest from the Miami Herald, Daniel Oyafusi. What's up, Dolph fans? We're back here at the 2023 
NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, joined here by the Miami Herald's Daniel Oyafusi. Daniel, welcome in, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. First time on Drive Time, right? It is, yeah. We did our Twitter spaces one time, but this is the first time in the podcast. We're excited to have you in here. And uh, we just wrapped up with Coach McDaniel, his, uh, his annual Combine press conference. I think he knocked it out of the park once again. Have you recovered anybody more fun just to hear talk at the podium? I don't think so. You know, in true Mike McDaniel fashion, he kind of works his way, goes to the table. It's not really his. You know, he's joking with the crowd and everything, recruiting guys to catch passes for the Dolphins. It was a good time for sure. Yeah, I, he tried to get us to move over to his podium, and no one really budged. Like, nah, we're going to call that bluff, <laughs> Coach. You can come over here and talk to us. And he did. He was he was being a good sport about it. But um, what was your biggest takeaway from that? He, he said a lot, half an hour or so of a press conference. Like, what was your big takeaway from Coach? No, no, he did. You know, obviously, Mike McDaniel obviously uh, fills up your notebook. And he said a lot of, you know, a lot on, you know, various topics, whether it was Tua, whether it was the offense, uh, kind of the continuity in year two of that scheme, uh, expectations for the defense. But one thing that really stood out to me was he, he really kind of gave some insight on the team's plan at backup quarterback. Now, obviously, Tua Tungabailoa, uh, the expectation is he is going to enter 2023 as the team starting quarterback. But there's a lot of questions about what is the team gonna what is the team gonna do with his fifth year option. Obviously, Mike McDaniel said that that is still something that's up for discussions with general manager Chris Greer. But as it pertains to backup quarterback, he said, "Hey, I think that Skylar Thompson has done enough to deserve the opportunity to compete for that number two spot." but it's not going to go unchallenged. We're going to add some competition. And he particularly spoke about where the quarterback room was last year compared to this room. Obviously, there was a lot of questions about the development of Tua Tungvaluwa. They wanted to get a veteran option to really help in that development, which is why they brought in Teddy Bridgewater to step in. And Tua spoke a lot about the work that Teddy did in the quarterback room. Mike McDaniel said that this year, the quarterback room is in a different spot. The team is in a different spot. So there's a lot of talk about the team potentially adding like a big time addition at backup quarterback. But hey, I, I think that Mike indicated or kind of alluded to, hey, maybe we're not going for that big name. We're going for somebody who still can push Skyler for that number two spot. But, you know, we're obviously good at, uh, you know, starting quarterback and Skyler's a very good option as well. Yeah, it's a good problem to have to, to have to kind of figure out what you're going to do at that position because the starting quarterback, like you mentioned, I mean, he spoke very highly of Tua for his on-field performance. And we've heard, you know, Jerome Baker go on podcast this offseason and talk about the leadership and the character and all that stuff. So uh, signs pointing up for QB1 down here, yeah. or I should say back home in South Florida. We're up here in Chile, Indianapolis. Uh, yeah. Speaking of South Florida, every year this event is crawling with people from that area of yeah. the country. South Florida and football, why is it so synonymous? Why is there so much talent that comes out of that small portion of the country? I mean, I'm, I'm from Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, I, I've always wondered that since I moved down to South Florida a couple of years ago. I was actually in Phoenix for the Super Bowl. I spoke to jo uh, Josh Joe, who's a, who's a local product cornerback uh, for the Eagles. And he, like he said, hey, I, I think that's just what we grow up knowing. It's like ingrained into the like our the fiber of our being. And there's that competition, and you know you can go all of, all across South Florida, and guys are competing. So it's just something that's so innate to the area, honestly. When I came down here my first year in 2019 for a training camp practice, the first time I covered training camp, my hotel, there was kids out in the parking lot training at like 6.30 in the morning on the ladder drills. Like, okay, yeah. it's different down here it's in from South birth. Florida. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a culture. It's a lifestyle. It's And that's those July months, man, those July days when it's just super hot and muggy and miserable out there. So they, they get after it. Yeah. Speaking of that, several players in this year's class to look forward to that are from South Florida. Yeah. Do you have one that stands out to you that you really like this year? Yeah, I mean... He's not going to be there when the Dolphins make their first pick uh, in the second round, but uh, Zay Flowers, 
is a Fort Lauderdale guy, uh, university school. Um, he's one of the top wide receiver prospects in this draft. I think he's projected to go uh, first round. Um, he's been working down in South Florida uh, with Nick Hicks perform. Um, there was a cool shot of the before and after uh, the training uh, segment that they had, and he put on about 10, pa- uh, 10 pounds of muscle. He's kind of a kind of a smaller guy, about 5'9", 5'10", 170, but I think he bulked up. He, he's a speedster. I mean, I, I think there's been some comparisons to, to Marquise Brown, um, just being a guy that can take the top off the defense. Um, he can play inside, outside, and obviously this being a passing league, an offensive league, you want a guy like that who can stress the defense. So he's not going to be around for Miami, but he's definitely an exciting guy I'm looking forward to watching this week. I've seen him mock to some of, our, some of the Dolphins division rivals in some of the recent mock drafts, so you might get a better look at him than you want to uh, being a good football player. But I love the before and after photo they took of him. Yeah. Why is the before photo always look it's so always, sad? It's always like sad and then the after, like you're so happy. I mean, yeah. it kind of helps with the, the illusion, not illusion, but you know, the, the yeah. idea that yeah. you're, the, you know, the improvement, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. he was he was in great shape before. He's in better shape now. But the, just the, the, the juxtaposition of the two photos always gets me. A um, couple of players from South Florida that are defensive backs in yeah. this year's class that I know you're looking forward to. Yeah. Uh, kid from Illinois you like a lot this year? Yeah, Sidney Brown. Actually, he's a twin brother, uh, Chase Brown, who's a, he's a top running back prospect as well. But Sidney Brown, uh, kind of a do-it-all safety. I mean, we talk about this new scheme with Vic Banjo, where they're going to ask a lot of those safeties, uh, a lot of single high, a lot of split, uh, uh, split safety looks, uh, movement pre-snap, post-snap. Um, this guy did it all at, at Illinois. I mean, he primarily played in the box, was kind of like a, like a sub-package dime linebacker. Um, but he, I mean, he, he's an athletic he's an athletic freak. I mean, Dana Jeremiah said he might be the best athlete out of the safety class. Um, he's a former track guy, you know, in, in South Florida. He's a finalist for like the four by, uh, four by 100, four by 400, 400 meters. So he's probably going to test really, really well. Um, and again, if you're looking for a safety, um, you know, they can kind of do some of that split uh, split safety stuff with Javon Holland. Um, he's also a, a Canada native as well. He's from Ontario, so hey, he might he might be the guy. Yeah, he can flat out roll like you mentioned. I think Jeremiah's got him in the top 50 list that he just produced, and there was a rep at the Senior Bowl where I saw him line up in coverage against the receiver and yeah. run like he pressed and then ran and and kept stayed in phase the whole way down the field. Like I don't know how many safeties are doing that, but he can do it. So he can certainly scoot. Um, so Sidney Brown, we talked touched on Chase Brown, Zay Flowers. How about this cornerback class? It could be the first time in a while. The Dolphins might be, you know, kind of circling back to the draft in the in the in the cornerback position. They've just been so loaded at that spot for so long, but injuries took their toll last year. So now you kind of have some uncertainty there. Are there any cornerbacks in this year's class? I know you're a DB guy. Sorry. You're kind of uh, fancying so far. Yeah, well, first off, Dan Jeremiah on a conference call with NFL Network, he said that, you know, cornerback is one of the strongest positions in the draft class. So the Dolphins might be picking, you know, middle, end of second round, but there should be some really good options. Um, obviously, Tyreek Stevenson uh, is a local guy from uh, University of Miami who kind of has the, the height, weight, weight, size. Um, he's a physical outside press man corner. Um, you know, there's some kind of some questions maybe about athleticism, uh, you know, staying in phase and whatnot. Um, but if you want a guy on the outside, um, he, he's your man. Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State, um, you know, he's a, he's a ball hawk. I mean, he, when, I, when I read about how many interceptions he had, pick six, he kind of reminds me of, uh, of X. You know, he has a lanky frame. Um, he has really good route uh, concept recognition. He's played in that off-man uh, off zone coverage type. Um, so he kind of has familiarity um, uh, with that. Um, Eli Ricks from, from Alabama is a guy that I'm keeping my eyes out on. Um, you know, again, this is a premium position. So you might see, you know, day one, day two, a lot of guys come off the board quick. 
but there still should be a lot of really good options for the Dolphins uh, in this new scheme where obviously, you know, the cornerbacks are going to be asked to, to drop into a lot of different zones and whatnot. Yeah, that's, that's a good way to end it right there because there's so many players in this class that I think give you that variety and versatility. You can really play multiple schemes with multiple guys, but we'll see if it's, we had, you mentioned Dalen Jeremiah, he did the podcast earlier and talked about a little shift to more zone coverage. So kind of processing and mental side of the game. I'm curious to see what that looks like. And I don't know, how do you test that out here at the scouting combine though? Cause we're going to see how these guys run, how they jump. I, I guess, is it the meetings behind closed doors? Like how do you think you get the feel for how guys will be wired and how they'll think? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of those interviews and those meetings with the teams where, you know, you kind of throw some stuff on the board. Or you say, hey, what are you going to do if you see this three by one look or you're in this type of uh, uh, set uh, stance or whatnot? Yeah, you just kind of kind of test their minds. You, you have to be smart. I mean, obviously you want the, the physical and, and the measurables to, to check the box, but you also want somebody smart who, you know, can can again, drop into the zip different zone coverages, can react to different things and whatnot, because this is a pretty complex defense where they're showing stuff pre-snap and showing something else post-snap. So you want guys who check the box physically, but also ha have it right mentally. Yeah, again, back to the Jeremiah conversation, he mentioned Javon Hall as a guy that can really kind of expedite that process of the communication and getting things communicated. So Dolphins in good hands there. I've asked all my guests this so far. I want to ask you, who are you looking forward to working out the most of anybody this entire weekend? Oh, man. Who's going to um, roll? Who's going to jump? Who's going to lift that bench press bar 55 times? You know, uh, kind of got to go back to some of the running backs. You know, B. John Robinson, I, I don't think he's going to be there. <laughs> but him, Jameer Gibbs, uh, there's a UCLA running back that can scoot. I mean, these guys are, it seems like every year somebody's breaking another record. So I'm definitely excited to see some of these running backs out. Can't wait to see how they do. Jameer Gibbs is one of my favorite guys, by the way. So yeah, good yeah. call out there. Daniel Oyafusi, Miami Herald. What are you guys working on? You got anything exciting coming out this week? Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, we're going to have a whole bunch of coverage the entire week. McDaniel speaking. Um, you know, obviously the prospects throughout the week. We'll have definitely a water wall coverage. So definitely check that out. Good stuff. Appreciate it, Daniel. Yeah, thanks. And there he goes. That's the end of our Tuesday interviews. But we have the biggest piece of media content, I suppose, left to go here. Let's get to Mike McDaniel's press conference from Tuesday after these words from our sponsor brought to you by AutoNation. We saved the best for last. No, I don't think it's the best for last, but it is one of the better parts of really the entire offseason. Coach McDaniel's combine media availability. He spoke about many, many topics. To find the entire video, go ahead and check out our team YouTube channel. Let's go ahead and play the hits real quick. He was first asked about the fifth-year option and quarterback Tua Tungavailoa, and he expanded upon the team's expectations for Tua and how they feel and how the player feels about the team as well. Here's Coach on his quarterback. Well, I think... Um you know, like any other player, you factor in every variable. Um, you know, I think, you know, one thing that, uh, you know, when you're when you're talking about those types of decisions, um, I think it's important to recognize that um, we have a congruence of in interest by the Dolphins and the player, um, Tua, that that we both want. Um, both parties really want him to. Um, play at a very high level for a long time for the Miami Dolphins. So um, what's the best way to, to really um, engineer that or to um, help manifest that? Well, um, those are the things that were kind of um, weighing in terms of the, the various options um, with, you know, the, the same um, desired end is, is um, two would like. So it, you factor in everything um, as best you can, um, but you know that that's part of this game that that we're all involved in. Is there are some unknowns, so um, 
you, you weigh those and you, you press forward and make the best decision possible for the organization. From the quarterback position to the player that aligns alongside the quarterback in the shotgun or in the backfield in general, Coach was asked about the running back position, which, of course, Savon Ahmed, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, Miles Gaskin, all scheduled to be free agents this offseason. What are the Dolphins looking for at that position? Coach touched on that last year, but here's an updated version, 2023 edition. Mike McDaniel, what the Dolphins look for at the running back position. It's one thing I've been fortunate um, within the – the you know being in the same system for like 18 years or wherever it's been, um, as you see, there's a lot of different ways that um, you can get to the desired result. So I think first and foremost, you um, you know from the running back position on our on our team, you need a, a team player that's willing uh, to do whatever it takes to win. Uh, we have good you know players surrounding the running back position so you got to be uh you got to be willing to you know pass block and do things off the ball um we i think there's a many many different types of running backs that can excel in this offense um given whatever their skill sets are so to me i just want team oriented guys that um that uh enjoy getting the ball uh, fighting for yardage and um, you know trying to win football games as a result. So I, I very open-minded to um, all the skill sets across the board and just looking for guys that are um, completely invested in join, uh, joining on our ongoing process to be as good as we can be. When we talked to both Mike McDaniel and Coach Fangio at the introduction press conference, we learned that there was no previous relationship between the two guys, but now we do have some time between McDaniel and Fangio spent the last couple of weeks, and McDaniel gave us an update on how that's going. He also told us a lot more about Vic Fangio, the expectation, how excited he is to add him as his defensive coordinator. Oh, I think I think it's kind of an unfair comparison to a degree. I think um, in, in my um, NFL career, uh, you know, Vic is one of one, in my opinion, of uh, creating and innovating and sustaining um, high-quality defense. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you, but in 95, I was, what was I doing? I was 12 years old and cheering for the inaugural Colorado Rockies, okay? Um, he started coordinating defense at that time, um, but then has been able to um, adjust it and to the game, to, to the things that he's having to defend um, and to the players that he has. So um, I, think, I think having the opportunity to, to add Vic Fangio is um, – as exciting of an opportunity in the offseason as I, I could have, I think uh, all all players on defense will benefit from it. And I know myself uh, included, I'll benefit from the, the process of being able to work with him on a daily basis, um, tap into his infinite um, wisdom. I mean, shoot, I was last week, um, just in one week in the office with him, um, had a couple hours of just... Uh, very gratifying football conversation that I know that's going to help help me moving forward from the head coaching position. And on top of that, he was he was 
giving me stories on um, Pat Swilling and Kevin Green and, um, uh, you know, just just stuff that from a football historical perspective I very much appreciate. You know, I got to um, just last week I got to find out when he his simulated pressures that he's he's so famous for when he um, what provoked him and what was the advent of that and when it was that just that stuff is very interesting. But now you take it um, a step further and um, when you have a guy that is innovating um, over time, I think the residuals for players are really everything they really sign up for. And on that defense, a second-year linebacker, Channing Tyndall. And I thought Coach was pretty forthright about year two for the former Georgia linebacker. Big year for him, got all the physical tools. Can he put it together in a second season? Here's Coach talking about Channing Tyndall. No, I'm expecting a big offseason and a big jump in year two. Channing knows that. He has that expectation for himself. He, he worked very diligently. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's a matter of him really – um, being able to uh, visualize and um, really carry out all assignments within the defensive structure that um, I know he's, he's really mandating from himself to really take another step. I think his, he, he did a great job, um, you know, with the reps that he had and uh, really scout team and during the year for for practice and he did develop but um you know we're, we're excited about this this next year opportunity to really take advantage of um some opportunity that he will have i might have saved the very best for last year as i had a, a question for coach regarding the second year in an offensive system we did the entire podcast talking about year two jumps and past mcdaniel and shanahan stops Pretty excited about it with Coach McDaniel's answer here. What can you do in year two that you couldn't do in year one, not watching your own tape, not breaking down film of your own guys doing the system opposed to other teams? Here's Coach on just that. Oh, it's going to be huge. Um, a little written about, <clears throat> little written about uh, scenarios that uh, our offensive players haven't had an offseason where they're watching themselves in half a decade, maybe more. Um, that's incredibly important. You know, um, I even, uh, I, I, I throw digs and jest, but, like, I had to be reminded by coaches on staff last year that, hey, you know, this is, like, the fourth consecutive season that these guys have l- watched a different team's cut-ups in the offseason and haven't watched themselves. Um, that adds up fast. So this this will, I'm very, very excited for the players um, to be able to come back and digest um, the system, to not have uh, any variance um, offensively, and that we'll just be correcting, improving, and building upon what we did last year. And there you go. That's a wrap on day one from the Scouting Combine here in Indianapolis. Back with you guys tomorrow for another edition of the Drive Time Podcast. Going to have some more guests on, some more heavy hitters, as we call them. In the meantime, it's going to be my time. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. Follow the team at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and Juice. All the international podcasts on the network. Also the YouTube channel for media availabilities, Dolphins Today, and a heck of a lot more. And last but not least, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, fins up Caroline and Cameron on Friday. Daddy's coming home.